Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hi, ho, hi, Caleb Shively, the other host here. I, you know, I never. It's it's just I am one, and you are one. There is no there is no the other. You know, I, I'm definitely yeah, not trying a, to other a, a you, collection. Caleb. No, it's a collection of hosts to host, which is uh, what the Oscars are doing this year. Shout out uh, Regina Hall. That's my favorite New Jack Swing album, Host to Host. Yeah, it's really good. Wow, um, New Jack Swing reference. <laughs> it's good stuff, Caleb. It's good stuff. Um, <laughs> so every episode on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk to you about two movies. One of them is old. One of them is new. And they relate to each other like the present and the non-distinct near future. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Caleb? Uh, they relate to each other in the sense that, uh, you know, as we break down movies and talk about movies, we find uh, good things about movies and mo- the movies we pick uh, have mostly good things to say for the most part. Uh, and that's what the podcast is, is us saying good parts and how they relate to each other. <laughs> I got it. I'm sorry, Caleb's malfunctioning. I think something's wrong with Caleb. I need to take you to my, <laughs> to my weird go? garage and have someone cut your chest. Oh, open. I see. I got gotcha. you. Um, Chris is referencing one of the movies we're talking about. Uh, the first one, uh, After Gang. It's from uh, it premiered last year at All Your Cans. It was at Sundance earlier in a spotlight, but it's now streaming, uh, now available to watch. Uh, After Yang from Koganada. Uh, and our second film is from way back in 1965. We're doing <laughs> John Luke Godard's Alphaville. Uh, good for us for taking this one on. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, the connection being they're both sci-fi movies, but they're also, uh, both these people were, uh, before they were film directors, were, uh, film critics, film essayists, uh, uh, thought highly of film, which is how we first came about it. And we landed on a sci-fi bent at the end, which is happens when we pick movies. Yeah. Again, uh, occasionally this happens, Caleb, this was all you and it, what a, what a inspired pairing, great stuff works on multiple levels and just a great excuse to go back and watch Alphaville, which was one of my favorite movies when I was in college. Definitely. Actually one of my, um, you know, I went to like video school and like one of my like five little movies that I made was like completely just a rip off of Alphaville that I was very, very inspired where I just, there was a part of it's the very campus at, at FSU. That's, that's, where it's amazing. Yeah. It's a very, it's very much like a student, a film school kind of movie. Um, we just had all these buildings that were like kind of seventies modernist buildings with like weird port, you know, uh, like a bunch of windows and they're kind of shaped a little weirdly. And they have like these big plazas with like sort of strange um, posts in them and stuff like that. Um, so I just had a girl that I had a crush on walk around there um, and like look. And we're like, Hey, let's camera. do it like Godard. You know? Let's let's get Godard it girl. I'm gonna shoot you by the big window in the future. I want you to go. <laughs> I want you to go stand by the math building and look sad. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. Um, yeah, we're so gonna that's pretend all. It's, we're gonna pretend we're older. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna pretend we're older. Yeah, what could be cooler for someone who's 21? Um, <laughs> that's all this week on actually best choice. Movie, movie, movies, movies. Thank you so much, movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that so like you said caleb both of these movies are uh both science fiction movies of a certain kind and but they're also both from directors who formerly were film critics film essayists, people who thought a lot about uh film and there's there's not there those people do exist but there's not a huge number of them right caleb yeah, not no, not enough. Um, well, maybe then in the sense of screenwriters, they they uh, more tend to do uh, as well. Maybe we don't even know screenwriters wrote film critics before they buried them in. Canadian. Anyway, uh, I mean, there is some prominent examples. Peter Bogdanovich, who was a uh, sure. recent passed away, but yeah, was a uh, showed films at MoMA and uh, was a big critic. Uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. And then of course, uh, so much great movies. We covered his movies on this podcast uh 
But yeah, uh, I mean, uh, like Roger we, Ebert like uh, made a movie, but he wasn't like a film. Oh, he was a screenwriter. Yeah, he, uh, he was a screenwriter. He did stuff with a. Uh, Roger Corman in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, uh, dear listener, we picked, uh, we know we want to do a Koganada movie uh, after see- seeing it was coming out. Uh, uh, and as we we're picking something, they're like, Oh, he was, uh, did these wonderful essays and he was a, cr- a critic and, uh, film essays, which you could go watch right now at Koganada.com. They're great. Uh, uh, it's like, Oh, let's pick another, cr- cr- another critic who turned filmmaker. And then we, you know, there's not a huge list. Uh, then we stumbled on, but of course, like, Oh yeah, the French new wave, which, Again, dear listener, you've uh, seen our recent run of all these French New Wave films we've been covering recently in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and we That's all you, Caleb, and I love, I love that you're into that. Yeah, I, I love I love that you're you know, uh, French New Wave stuff. It's yeah, really fun. It's really I don't. Fun. I always, yeah, and especially with uh, uh, Godard. Like I, I think I was always talk about. I like Romare. I like Bresson. Uh, like the more uh, less big name not lesser big names which is stupid because they're all huge fucking names uh but Godard is a, a director that like uh, I find intimidating in the sense that I always feel like he's uh uh like talking down to film in a way uh which is fun to see and uh, uh uh like he's elevating film but also like separating himself from it so much at the same time it's absolutely mind-boggling to watch and I I I, 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 uh, I always try to uh, not avoid him but just don't watch him. I, I actually recently, another week, watched uh, "Woman Is a Woman" of "Un Feminine It Feminine" uh, just randomly. Uh, so I'm have a good palate cleanser for, uh, you know, not cleanser, but pre- prepper for a good appetite for uh, Alphaville. Uh, but Aperitif. you know, uh, the whole French New Wave stuff. Yeah, uh, that started with. Uh, the Cinemac Francais Club, which is they just watch silent movies together, uh, which is cool. <laughs> and then they started writing their own magazine, uh, the Gazette du Cinema, uh, Rosette, uh, Jacques Rivet mm-hmm. and Eric Romare and uh, our man Jean-Luc did it. Uh, and they got oh, to yeah, cinema, then yeah. make a whole bunch of films. Yeah, which was uh, a fucking cool thing that like, hey, we have all these, yeah. we're playing our flag and they decided to do something about it, which is fucking wild. I mean, it's interesting, Caleb, like, you know, we've been doing I mean, all these French yeah. New Wave movies lately, and like you, you've been into the New Wave, which you know. And I certainly, when I was in college, it was like the number one thing I liked. I feel like these movies, though, are kind of out of fashion right now. Like, like I feel like they're not. This is not the part of film mm. that you're supposed to be emulating these days. Um, would you agree or disagree? It's interesting. With that? Yeah. Well, uh, in the sense of, uh, I mean, the, uh, what's in vogue is you know the twenty year cycle, so. Uh, you look around, I don't know, I would say uh, 20 years ago, the people were inspired by, for, uh, so it would be 40 years ago. So this is where, like in the age of 80s we're making, yeah, which isn't really inspired by, because it was post-70s, which were people inspired by uh, those 50s, which is what the people in the 60s. Wow, I'm getting so into the cycle. Where are you going? Anyway, yeah, what are you, what you. is happening right now? <laughs> uh, I So I agree with you. It's more of like a blockbuster thing. And then uh, maybe the more indie stuff, uh, like... Uh, after Yang is more inspired by that, or I would say more inspired by people from 20 years ago who were inspired by uh, the more artistic, uh, what the good lessons of film to learn. Because I mean, they are teaching like a uh, uh, within their lesson of the French New Wave is you know the yin and yang. You could see the other things that they are avoiding, which is you know the filling of the excess and the uh, the actual cinema of it all, which is. You know, blockbuster filmmaking, which is a person who saw the Batman today is like, yeah, we're just filling shit up and it's fun to see new things that uh, maybe we shouldn't be spending millions of dollars on. But hey, go ahead. It's making yourselves money. Uh, but yeah, I just went in a giant circle to land on. These are both uh, artistic movies that we're covering, which is, you know, actually best our actually best choice decision to make. Uh, but yeah, um, it's fun to think about that. Uh <laughs> and like especially whether, within well, you know like because i just think like when i was in college right like it was these were the most popular movies that existed and it, it was like lots of current movies were kind of copies of these movies like the movie we're going to talk about second alphaville which um right there was this movie cq that came out when i was in college the roman coppola movie where it's basically like barbarella kind of spliced together with cq this is the second like time about- you've referenced this movie on, on no, I like this movie. It's totally relevant to this. It's from this period of my life. And it is it is directly related to Alphaville, I swear to God. 
Um, it's kind of just like stealing a bunch of ideas and visual jokes from it. But um, which, which is just to give proof that these were very much like in the zeitgeist kind of movies. This was like the period of cinema that people talked about a lot. Um, and then I feel like kind of, you know, the 70s took over from from this. And this kind of cinema seemed as a little like self-indulgent and insane. Well, yeah, I think the 70s took over in the sense that uh, like all these 90s directors were then like getting their like big money breakthrough uh, of uh, in in the early 2000s. Uh, because they, those guys in the 90s were just 70s cinephiles, like uh, Lessons of Scorsese and, uh, uh, yeah, not Spielberg. No, definitely not. But, uh, yeah, uh, I would say there – I mean, there's always some influence of the French New Wave. Uh, it's just so hard not to be influenced. Because uh, right, it's so foundational like, to modern like What they tear down, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's more – like, yeah, uh, yeah, Tarantino was more of a – yeah, uh, the 70s Scorsese and uh, De Palma acolytes uh, right. of them just yeah, yeah, yeah. in a more like camera movement stuff. Well, I mean, there's tons of camera movement there. But yeah, I mean, the, I mean I've, 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 obviously I've heard Martin Scorsese talk lovingly about French New Wave film because well, you can't of course, of course. Talk, to hear him in an interview not talk about every single movie that ever existed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I'd love, uh, you know, that's why maybe to get back on the topic of uh, critics turning filmmakers, like critics turning for filmmakers. us just talking... Uh, us people who are just talking, us people, like me and Chris can just talk about movies and like the people who actually put it into action because they just talk about it and love it so much. Great. Uh, like, like I said, just Sorskazy and you uh, talk, you hear stories about uh, Quentin Tarantino and P.T. Anderson just going on and on about movies. Uh, and like I said, go check out Coconata's website. Uh, That's like the story of who, who, who is the woman who said that that was why she quit doing cocaine was being locked in a room with uh, Paul uh, Thomas oh, Anderson and Quentin Apple. Tarantino. Fiona Apple, yeah. Our dear, our dear Fiona Apple, yeah. Our dear Fiona uh, Apple, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah just hellish. to Sounds talk hellish. about... I, I would also quit doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 to uh, set up a little bit of uh, our first movie after Yang, uh, we did Koganada's first movie in the 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 Hallison days of uh, actually Best Choice Movies. I believe it was like our one of our first, ep- first four or so episodes ever. Uh, we just, I think I just wanted to do it. It wasn't out at the time. It just, I think it was maybe recently added to streaming. I was like, oh, let's just do this. I really like this movie. Uh, and we were just, or the early days when we were just like talk about movies without a connection as much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, his first movie is Columbus, which uh, 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 we both loved. And it's, uh, you can probably still track it out. It's uh, absolutely amazing. It's why we did his second movie because we love it so much. Uh, but yeah, I could even see in like this movie, like his influences, uh, which I thought were very cool. I think there's a very uh, Francois Ozu. Uh, I thought that ref- uh, even calling it after Yang put Edward Yang in my head, but, so I couldn't knock that out. Uh, and as uh, a big Kareda fan, Hirokeza Kareda, Kaizu Kareda, uh, I saw a lot of his afterlife in uh, after Yang. Uh, so uh, uh, I would say, again, I would say Koganada.com. I'm a big fan of his link letter video. He has a very, very, very popular uh, Wes Anderson videos in there, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, check my man out. Uh, and yeah, uh, he, uh, just go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it is interesting to think about um, the, you know, be going from being a film critic to being a filmmaker because obviously you know this isn't 100 percent true of course but everybody that thinks about film i mean you can't help but think like oh if, if i if i got to make a movie i would do it better i would do it different i would do it like this and it would be like the best movie of all time uh it's how you interact with so many things in your life you know i mean i can remember being a child and thinking like a, like a little little kid and thinking um well, when I'm a dad, I'm not going to be a dick like my dad. You know, I'm going to be like a better dad. It's just like a very human impulse. But there's so many barriers between being a film critic and being a filmmaker. I mean, not in a certain sense, there are no barriers, right? Like you can just go do it. But in another more real sense, there are lots of barriers and even just like mental barriers, you know. Um, so somebody, oh, sure. that, somebody that can make that leap is it's really interesting and it's really um, laudable. I think. And yeah, I, no I really, one's really uh, respect it. Yeah, no one's listening to our podcast being like, let's let's get them to make a movie. Let's put them in charge. No, one's well, that's doing the that. thing though is <laughs> that didn't happen to these guys either. I mean, they just had no. to go. They just went out and did it, you know, and they like convinced uh, people know. that they were right. 
uh, about Koganetta. Maybe people encouraged him to do it because <laughs> he's oh, that. Well, oh, is that true? I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about his, his background. I just know that he had was a very well connected person who loved film and they made really beautiful oh, essays. Cool. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, just to talk about the role of critic and us for a sec is that I think we're always trying to find. Uh, truth in breaking down these films and seeing how they relate to something larger, be it life, be it actual. I always try to relate it to cinema itself because then I like being stuck in that loop. Uh, but yeah, breaking down art to find what art can be is, uh, you know, what we're doing here. And uh, uh, I think we're at like year three of churning out these podcasts of at least at a level that's uh, the show that is now, it is now <laughs> that's early days were kind of wild. Kind of wild, um, kind of wild. Pretty different these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, should we get on? You want to talk about the first movie? Yeah, I do. Okay, so the first <laughs> movie is te- 2021's, I guess, technically. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Uh, after Yang. Did Yang want to be human? That's such a human thing to ask, isn't it? honest with you. Wait, is, is not being honest an option for you? After Yang is the new movie, as we've been saying several times, from the director Koganada, who also did Columbus, as we've been saying many times. And apparently he also directed the whole first season of this TV show that's coming out soon, uh, Pachinko. It's based on a best-selling novel you may have hear heard that. of or read. Um... After Yang is a heartbreakingly austere near-future science fiction story starring Colin Farrell as the dreamy, low-earning husband of an extremely type A wife who doesn't have a ton of lines, but I think easily 50% of them are either um, I have work to do or I'm going to the office. (laughs) You know, that's very, they very strongly hit on what her character is in this movie. Um, It starts as their techno-sapien, which is roughly like a robot uh, slash with some of the anxieties you have about your phone or maybe your your Alexa device, um, which the couple, Colin Farrell and his wife, have bought at great expense to help to both help raise their child, who is an adopted girl from Chinese descent or directly from China. And Yang, uh, you know, is a robot who appears Asian and is programmed with a lot of facts about China. So that's supposed to be one of the things he's doing is helping connect her to her heritage. Um, but, you know, in some ways, they've just kind of left him alone to raise her for many years. Uh, at the, so but at the start of this movie, suddenly Yang stops working. So the movie is this kind of poetic repair journey where Colin Farrell is going to different people and looking up his contract. But really what really what they're doing is exploring like on the one level, our relationship to technology, but on another level, like our relationships to ourselves and the people around us. And uh, it's, you know, it gets very deep very quickly. And it's very, if there's some like funny stuff in the first half of the movie or the first like 30 minutes, which there really is, the last 45 minutes of the movie are pretty heavy on people like silently experiencing emotions, you know, which is also great. And it's very, very well done. Um, You know, so basically the movie starts being about like, was Yang a spy? Can he be fixed? What was he thinking about? Did he think? Can he love? You know, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be alive? These are all the, you know, sort of big questions the movie is exploring, like in a kind of without directly saying that ever. It's a moving, funny movie and with an amazing central performance by Colin Farrell. Like, how has this man ever been nominated for an Oscar? That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Uh, he's fantastic in this movie as always. Um, I really had a great time watching it. Caleb, uh, how, how did you feel about it? Uh, yes, yeah, really goes like you're saying, like I ask these big questions, but it just explores them in such a low wattage manner. Uh, it establishes a, a mood and, uh, as with every good movie, there's tension that builds, but the tension never, uh, overtakes the mood that he establishes, uh, and it, it's basically just a family drama with these hints of like robo techno paranoia yeah. seeping in. Uh, and and the family drama is like they're experiencing a change via a set, like a huge sadness. And it's such a slow build to realizing it's the sadness. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's so true in real life in that sadness is a beast that doesn't 
hit all at once. It's just sadness is like moments that just keeps happening and happening. Uh, and what it is, it's, it's the stages of grief. And a family is just not realizing it because he's a robot. Uh, like he's, they put him in through a period, but then they realize that they're losing a family member. And uh, uh, it's, like I said, like, it's first, it's funny. And then it turns into a thing. And you mentioned how the wife is a little uh, standoffish. Uh, so there's all these questions of parenting that come in, but also, also it's just like anger and confusion too. Uh, and then the realization has happened. And I, I think when uh, I am, since I like this movie, I'm, uh, not going to talk too much about those realizations because that's very spoilery, uh, which is just how good this movie is. Cause uh, you could talk to it, like what's happening up to a point. And then just like all this, like when I say low key wattage, like everything's there to grasp, like the whole time in the beginning of a film uh, you see it, but then when you realize what's happening, it's just hits you even harder. Uh, So like, there's a lot to love about this movie. uh, And, uh, Shame on me for not going to the theater to see it because yeah, it's I streaming on, uh, on Showtime, which is what A24 is doing with their uh, low-key drop family dramas now. Shout out The Humans, which was the only other movie they did so far with the same-day release. Great. I also did wish I had gone to see it in a movie theater. Yeah, there um, is some... Uh, yeah, we could talk about like the actual like look of it because that's oh, not spoiler. Beautiful looking, beautiful looking. They, they're doing this really interesting thing with um, Colin Farrell's character where it's like... He's always wearing kind of like vaguely non he's like wearing vaguely, you know, Chinese fashions or you know, Chinese, Korean, Japanese fashions the entire time. Uh, and also he like owns a tea shop, you know, um, but I, I just mentioned that because I really loved all of his clothes in this movie. I thought they were mm-hmm. all fucking great and I wanted to wear them all. They're all kind of like big linens, you know, of like ve- like that look kind of rough. And um, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. I know that's not uh, what you meant when you talked about the look of the movie, but the first thing I thought of was, oh, like, yeah, I mean, oh, I love fucking Colin Farrell's I mean, pants. And it is a, like, a conscious decision. I think even the, uh, the a house, how the open plan and the, yeah. the, the lots of lighting was very, very, uh, like Korean, very Eastern influenced. Very, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, the, how, how would you describe it? I mean, I, I do think it does in a certain way, it does have the kind of like near future emotional science fiction yeah. look that you expect, right? Yeah, I think uh, uh, we probably touched a lot when we did uh, Her, which is an, uh, another artificial intelligence movie, one we did recently and we didn't want to repeat again, so that's why we tried picking something different. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, I mean, the uh, there is like this near future, uh, but they don't really pull the camera back too much they do show some and a lot show a lot of nature actually uh but yeah a lot of just uh close-ups i get there's some uh, a lot of the future stuff is uh technology and there's a lot of uh fun in the future aspect of that of that uh, yeah uh, well, um, one thing i'll say is the movie okay. does have this kind of like this is kind of mildly a spoiler but i think it's okay at a certain point it becomes a major part of the movie that they have a, they can look at Yang's memories. Yes. I'm glad we're, I was going to get to that too. Cause it's yeah. the, the way, the, especially visually it's. And well, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> the visual stuff of the movie, because this, it has a really, so you're watching Yang's memories, but really filmically what's that, what this is, is it's an excuse to do a bunch of like extremely lyrical, like kind of digital video, digital art kind of things where you're just seeing these little snatches of, life of memory you know of just like a tree or like someone turning their head or like light coming through a window and and also there's the the people that are watching it can make it repeat so you're like you're watching it and the person's going repeat repeat and the, it's repeating itself and then also like the sound is kind of out of sync sometimes where they're like i guess that's not even oh, the yeah, memories so- that's in the regular part of the movie uh i think it is the memories from my interpretation of it and this is a lot, so we'll maybe uh, yeah. paint a bigger picture. But yeah, um, so uh, when he's viewing these memories, uh, which we'll get to that in this, that, that whole concept in a second, uh, it's like how when a, a memory gets stuck in our own heads, you could just re- hear it repeated to yourself uh, or like just say it to yourselves in different ways. Like they just say it and again in a different manner or a different, they show it in a different angle. Uh, it's very interesting. Cause like I do that with, I don't know, like not, not necessarily a song stuck in my head, but like something people say, I just like, I'll repeat in my head or just, well, it, it, I thought that was like very like, Oh, well, and like, and they do it a lot and it catches you. Or even the way you're guard. like, if you're in, if you're in a moment, sometimes it's like, 
you're thinking about you're going to say something and then you actually do say it. And so it's kind of kind of double happening at, for you, which is also can be very weird, you know, in a very yeah. kind of out of body experience. Yeah. Uh, like what the is a memory is like how you interpret it. So it's like in your head. So maybe not it's a hundred percent accurate. It's maybe 99% accurate. <laughs> you think the movie has a lot of really interesting things to say about memory. Like, Oh, good Lord. Yeah. I mean, it's so, yeah, at a certain point it becomes a big thing that they're looking at Yang's memories. Um, <laughs> Can I just and, say, uh, since we're talking about, to, before we get too deep into it, yeah, uh, the sure, actual yeah. vis- visual concept of the memory map itself. Uh, so like oh, he yeah. has uh, a player in its glasses because it's the future, uh, but it's, <laughs> uh, screen goes black, bunch of uh, rows and rows and rows of uh, just light dots. And then uh, like we're seeing it, move around like 360 like a, a vr helmet it, it, it and they're they're so weird and then like lights get bigger and brighter and you can uh, find things by uh like moving your hands it's such like a big overwhelming uh screen presence uh, uh and i thought that was like why like specifically that I was like oh i would love to see that on a giant screen in the oh it was really cool and it was really imaginative but it also made sense with the way like file structures work now and even there yeah. was a kind of thing like <laughs> where you looked at if you looked at one of the dots it would give you kind of like a thumbnail preview but it would just like blow up like the first frame but like really really translucent mm-hmm. so you could see through it pretty easily and it would also be in like two layers that were like distinct st- separated by distance so you had to like line your head up to see them together you know well, that was really cool. It was really, really yeah. cool visually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, even more of the, that future stuff, uh, uh, I, I thought was cool visually. Um, the, when they call each other, they're always, this is just more of like a cinema thing maybe, uh, but they're always like facing directly to the camera to talk to us. Yeah. But that's, I guess that's, that's definitely more of a cinema thing. Uh, but also the, uh, so, uh, just to maybe get onto the more memory stuff of it, but Yang himself is, uh, a, a, a future thing uh, he's a robot he's artificial intelligence he's a techno sapien uh, and i always thought the scenes of him in general were a little bit more playful uh and uh as one has to do with uh, performance by uh, uh his name is justin min which i, I didn't he's know this funny actor great uh something called the umbrella academy which i've heard of uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, but yeah him and uh yeah he has a, this extra playfulness to his scenes uh and then the whole movie is about his memories then too, uh, which is, uh, yeah, just to talk about the idea of memories and, uh, and he's a robot who has memories with it is a plot point itself. Yeah, no, it is great. It's a great, it's very, I mean, yeah, that, that actor is giving a great performance. He's got this kind of like, you know, he's, and he's doing, he's having to work uphill cause he's trying to be a robot. Right. But he's supposed to be a kind of like extra intuitive robot. So it's, he's, he's having to be, it's a very kind of tough acting challenge, but I think he plays it in a way that's very interesting where he's kind of like very personable, but also kind of distant in a certain way. And then he kind of seems like he's flirting with everybody all the time, but at the same time, he's just being like very like open with very open. Very, but, then, uh, but then like occasionally you run into something where there's just nothing behind it and he can't go any further that way. Or so it seems, you know, and yeah, he's it's very uh, like, it, disarming, you know, or you don't know how to ta- take it. He has information to an extent and he's playing with it because he's of, of a certain intelligence. And then he reaches an end of it and you can see him being like, oh, OK. Uh, and then also like being able to see that there's beyond that he is of his comprehension, which is uh possibly a reason for why he's a, a shutdown to begin with. We don't really, it's never really talked about too much, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of this, like these real life uh, anxieties that uh, like him, like meeting people uh, like him, his relationship with the, his family, which uh, his, or his owners or his owners who realize he is family, uh, which is what this movie is about. <laughs> well, Go can ahead. I say the thing I wanted to say about the memory thing in this movie is mm-hmm. I, because of it's 2022, I, it, it made me think of a, a lot of the stuff. It, it, it reminds me of uh, how you interact with your phone and how your, the pictures and videos on your phone interact with your memories. And there's a great scene. And I, but before this, obviously it's true for still photographs too, or just even like stories that people tell you, which is like, um, there's a great scene where Colin Farrell, my interpretation of what's going on in the scene is he's watching Yang's memories of something. And then at the same time, he's trying to remember it, like how he remembers Mm. it. 
And it's like, it's very kind of tricky and difficult to watch the video like a hundred times and then try to be like, oh, but I was there and I saw it from a different point of view. And like, but how do I remember it? And like, do I really remember it as good as this, even though I was there and I, and I, this wasn't how I experienced it. Um, that, that was so interesting and, and tricky to me. And even just the concept of like Yang's, all of Yang's little memories are all these little snatches of moments. Like it, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, not to talk about myself and having a kid, but it's like, yeah, when you have a kid, you're oh, like sure. always taking pictures and videos of them. But then it's like those couple videos that are just kind of these random things you happen to take videos of those become then the things that you remember and the rest yeah. of the stuff you kind of forget because there's so much happening all the time. And these are, you have videos of these things. And yeah. it was like, that's so interesting to think of the way these like external technological things construct what your memory is, you know, and yeah, how you experience uh, your own life, you know? Yeah. It's a, a tool to help live in the memories uh that's wild uh yeah even with a kid good good lord i mean there's stuff that you could keep like oh look at her right now you probably just keep it in your mental bank yeah but it doesn't you know your mental bank is not as secure as your (laughs) phone bank sadly that's that's so true that's so true uh yeah it is uh it's powerful stuff all every time right he does it a lot colin farrell's his dad uh uh his name is jake jake goes through the memory bank uh and it's both in hope in trying to fix uh, Yang, he's doing this, but it's also like, like I mentioned, grief. Like he's, like he's gaining memories through uh, Yang is a thing he didn't realize had memories, <laughs> uh, and seeing what he this thing felt, which is uh, a, a great way to like introduce that. Like, oh, we didn't know he uh, he takes it to a specialist, and the specialist is like, oh, that's great, he has memories. Uh, we didn't think their robots are capable. This is very important. Uh, yeah, which is a whole other aspect of the film, which is. Uh, kind of wild. <laughs> but then, yeah, this is also, this is kind of the like George Saunders level of this movie, which I love, you know, George yeah. Saunders books great, and great, stories. Great, yeah. Like, um, but the level of like, he's trying to figure out his warranty, you know, and like this, the store where he bought it still exists and everybody keeps telling him like he shouldn't have bought it that way. And he's always going like certified refurbished, certified, certified refurbished. <laughs> and all this, and then there's like, yeah, like you, like you were saying, there's like these techno paranoia people, you know, that he interacts with and also these kind of like people who are just interested in it as, as scholars. And it, that, that level of the movie is also like pretty well rendered and pretty mm-hmm. f- funny. And for some reason he isn't telling his family, I mean, like, because he's trying to put off them having to deal with death, but it's like for almost the entire movie, he is not telling the family that Yang is like obviously mm-hmm. dead, even though he's been going on all these journeys and he's like taking out his memory banks and all this stuff. And he's working with all these people. And then his wife will be like, did you get Yang fixed yet? And he's like, Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe soon, you know, and it's like, that's pretty funny. It's because it's like, you're yeah. also given to understand they spent a huge amount of money on this and they don't have sure. that much money, you know. Uh, so it is interesting. And uh, like they say, they got him initially. Uh, he, Yang, uh, Chinese, they have a, uh, a Chinese daughter. Uh, so they got her to like help her uh, feel more of her culture, which, you know, is also that fact alone is interesting like oh you're not the same uh, species but they could still have the same culture and still be yeah, right. <laughs> uh, connected that way uh, but no like there's like a lot of just uh isolated characters um uh, and then i don't know i don't I, i'm getting a little bit spoiler and i, I if i keep talking but about it is, wait like, but I, well, just what you were talking about it, it is i mean i'm thinking about i mean this relates to koganeda's own life like like you're talking about um the robot is supposed to help the daughter deal with relate to her Chinese heritage, even though he's not the same species as her. And in the movie, they do say like, Oh, Yang would struggle with like, is, was he really Chinese? Yeah. And I mean, that's such an, an interesting like diaspora question that someone like Koganata, I'm sure has thought about. Cause it's like, what, what, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to be Chinese? Like, do you have to be from China or do you just need to know about Chinese history or do you have to look Chinese or like, what what does it mean, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, the uh, movie's really grappling with that in, in an interesting way. Uh, yeah, and the, the, like we said, the parents grapple with it, and there is tension between them. Uh, I mentioned those phone calls where it just they're just looking right at you, talking about it, and their uh, anxieties are so present. Uh, and, uh, I mean, there's big stuff. Like Chris mentioned, he's just a, a tea shop guy, and she has a, a big, important job, and then that also weighs on him like oh i'm glad you uh you could take off today i appreciate that because her job is more important like that's a real life thing too 
She has uh, a job like from a like commercial where she's like always giving a PowerPoint presentation and like sitting at a sleek desk and like, you know, handing people things, you know, but very stylishly. Yeah. Uh, it, there's just, uh, it's very layered film. <laughs> uh, it, uh, I feel like uh, it's so easy to, I, I, it's not spoiling. We went to a, a lot of lengths here already. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even mention how great uh, there's a uh, Haley Lou who's pops up Haley Lou Richardson who's in Columbus pops up in his memories as a person who just made a friend and they're like I didn't even know robots have friends. friends yeah. uh, it's there's so much like stuff to uh, go through and it's all uh, asking uh, like what does one consider memorable like uh, this artificial thing has memories uh, we did, is capable of memories so what was this robot consider important enough to keep as a memory. It's yeah, because it's fucking, supposed to be this wild, thing. Yeah. I think they say at one point that they can only engage their memory like a certain number of times per day or some, something like that. So it's like, he, these are the things that he thought were memorable. You know, yeah. so it's like that's, because it, it's not just like a regular computer where it's saving every every single thing all the time. Um, yeah, he does have, uh, you have to do compress files at one point. But yeah, uh, just like what our, our independent thoughts are. It's so fucking wild just to fucking wild. have I independent thoughts. Yeah. It's crazy that you are a thing that has your own thoughts, right? Like, can that even really be true? Like, do you really have your own thoughts? That seems impossible. I know. Well, not with Big Brother putting uh, AT&T ads all over our screens. Well, I mean, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, Caleb, it sounds like you're segueing into our next movie. I mean. Uh, that's true. I am. Uh, well, just to wrap up a little bit here. Uh because there is, you know, Chris mentioned how great Colin Farrell is here. Uh, car- carries the narrative. He's he's carrying the whole narrative. Like he yeah. hands it off ably to, to his co-stars, uh, which includes a child. Uh, uh, he's very inquisitive in this movie, like uh, uh, as we are. Uh, I thought it was a very good audience surrogate. It'll be like, what's going on? Or like, I need to understand. Uh, and it's also open to the answers and like open to learning. Uh, it's it's so good, and then yeah, there's so much big themes on uh, parenting, and I, I would say more specifically uh, an adoption yeah. <laughs> aspect too, which is uh, uh, I don't I can't think of like uh, a very big adoption movie. Annie, I guess, is the biggest <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, Annie is the big adoption movie. <laughs> Annie Oliver, these um, Star Wars, <laughs> you know, that's a big adoption movie. Uh, Batman's an orphan. I just saw the Batman. There's a really good um, part in the movie too, speaking about the way it talks about parenting. And again, it's like the way it talks about your phone too, where it's like, he should be paying attention to his kid, but instead he is watching videos of his kid on his on his phone, <laughs> basically, which is like a really funny, really true thing that does happen when you're parenting. Like you should be actually interacting with your kid, but you're watching this video of them going like, God, they're so fucking cute. They're so important to me. I love them so much. And meanwhile, they're like running around <laughs> right in the room with you, you know. They're going, daddy, 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 what are you doing? Yeah, daddy, daddy, come on, daddy, daddy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, good luck yeah, with that, Chris. Funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's going okay. Uh, this movie, we're talking about how great this movie looks, and it is absolutely gorgeous looking movie. His uh, cinematographer is uh, Benjamin Loeb. Uh, he did another movie we talked about. He did Mandy, if you can believe the person who shot <laughs> really Mandy, that loud, abrasive oh hell fuck God. of a movie did this quiet, contemplative, God. amazing movie. Uh, he also shot Pieces of a Woman, which I liked a lot. Uh, so yeah, uh, Benjamin Lowe, man, uh, on, a, on, a tr- on a good track. I like to imagine him talking about Mandy, like to Colin Farrell a lot <laughs> during the production of this movie. <laughs> I, I, that seems really funny to me. That's just cool. Yeah, and Koganada did his own editing because uh, it's cool when a director does his own editing. That's amazing. He did his own editing on this movie? Yeah, yeah. He knows his story. He wants to, yeah. That's that fucking is, uh, amazing. Yeah. I was going to say, oh. the next movie we're going to talk about is okay. 1965's <laughs> Alphaville. C'était ma première nuit à Alphaville. Mais il me semblait déjà qu'une longue suite de siècles l'avait précédé. Pourquoi les gens ont l'air tristes et sombres Vous posez trop de questions, Monsieur Jones. Quelque chose ne tournait pas rond dans la capitale de cette galaxie. French New Wave scamp Jean-Luc Godard filters the conventions of noir and applies his own indeterminable style into science fiction to create Alphaville, a strange adventure of Lemmy Caution. Set in the future with no real set pieces being built or special effects used, Godard creates something beyond unconventional, even by his standards, punctuated by 
his constant references, allusions, and outright recitals of poetry. Uh, the cla- uh, the plot is classic. Uh, secret agent comes to town to take down a dictatorship. Uh, the town is Alphaville, and the dictator is a computer named Alpha 60. Alpha 60 has outlawed free thought and emotions. Mm. Showing emotion leads to execution. When our secret agent, I- let me caution, falls in love with Alpha 60's inventor's daughter, played by Anna Karina, uh, then the whole scope of emotion of love in Alphaville is thrown into whack. Alphaville obviously has blazed a huge trail, clearing a path for ideas such as Brazil, Blade Runner, countless others that have flourished. Uh, I'm always taken aback by Godard, as I said, as the man always reaches for a knowing transcendence, a.k.a. being very, very smart in his films. Uh, Chris, where do we start with this movie? (laughs) Oh my God, where to fucking start with this movie? I mean, it's so funny because in a certain way, it is a towering movie. Like you were saying, that's been so influential to so many modern science fiction movies and ideas. Like even just um, the idea of having like a noir detective in the future is like, this is one of or the first movie like this, you know? Um, so like just that whole concept is, is new to this movie. Plus this whole, you know, uh, um, it's, it's, but, but then it's like when you actually go back and watch it, it's kind of funny because in a certain way, it's very like rough. The movie is like, it has Mm -hmm. lots of crazy cuts all the time. Um, it, the camera work is all kind of shaky. Nothing is like quite as smooth as it should be. Like the, like the lights come on and go off a little too quickly and the cuts are a little weird and like everything. I mean, the audio itself is like, is, is abrasive. Uh, they do a lot of one takes where it's just a lot of like, Oh, they're doing one takes just so they can get out the scene quicker. Here. Yeah. And there's like the extras who are supposed to be acting like, you know, they've gone haywire or like kind <laughs> of doing something a little silly and stupid, but like that's what's in the movie, you know? Yeah. I laughed at it too. Like it is fu- like you're saying it's funny. Like I, I find a lot of his movies funny now in a retrospect because he's like, what? He's just breaking down what we know about film. And that can be funny. Like this he's a deconstructing a genre here. He wanted like a, a classic male, violent gumshoe character to take on technology. Yeah, uh, like when I was reading about this, he wanted to, his, he first called this movie Tarzan versus IBM. Like I mean, you exactly. can't call a movie that. That's the but fucking that's most French thing I've ever heard in my goddamn life. Tarzan versus IBM. I mean, yeah, Man this movie is like computer, yeah. basically literally at one point they say, you know, the computer made it illegal to love, you know, yeah. and you're like, that's like the kind of thing that's like the plot of a softcore porn movie, you know, but <laughs> really, uh, and of course, us being people, we're like, we love love. Let's fight for love. And, yeah, let's fight for uh, love. If you realize you're an individual, you'll destroy the repressive society. You know, it's like if you I think mean, this, this is a movie that makes V for Vendetta look like Shakespeare, you know, <laughs> or it makes it look like a ham-fisted movie in general, since it's like taking that stance where this is this movie is like, hey, since I'm asking these questions, I might as well ask a billion other questions too. Yeah, because like, there's a. I was going to say, like, he puts stuff of, uh, sneaks and stuff about, uh, what, like, what function does art have in a society where there's no emotions or, well, even this, they, they, uh, have uh, dictionaries in all the places that they have to keep updating them because words mean things. So it's like, there's a whole question of like, what do words mean? How powerful can words be used? Oh and then that's just the whole concept of like society. Like what are, what I, as a society, what ideals do we hold up that gets asked in a more that vague question gets asked deeply and it hits. It's like, how does he hit that question? <laughs> like every movie asks that, I guess. Yeah, it's but crazy. it does. It does kind of, it's in a certain way, it's trite, you know, and it's cliched, <laughs> yes. but it, somehow it works. I think part in part because it is so rough and because it's not really like, even the structure and the, the script, it's like, Lemmy Caution is on like a couple different missions and things happen and you're not really sure why they're happening or what's going on. And then yeah. later on, they like sort of explain them a little bit, but like not really, you know, it's it's almost like a Thomas Pynchon book in a lot of ways or like a, you know, a Sartre or something where it's like, yeah, things are happening that are that don't make any sense and you don't understand at all. And then you're kind of and the movie kind of is slowly giving you some tools to to put together the metaphor that they are, you know, but in a lot of ways it kind of keeps you on your toes because it like kind of doesn't make that much sense, you know, like lots yeah, of things it, are going on all the time and you don't know why they're happening or, or who these people are or like what's going on, you know? 
in that's that's in that way i like you i i as a watcher have to just trust it like okay he's good dar let's see take a step back and see what he's doing uh like how does his directing choices lead to my decisions what i'm thinking uh and like yeah some of those like big obvious ones like uh like how images are important to to uh how we uh feel about people and he does a lot of like fun imagery stuff like a lot of people through uh, of the violence he uses people through plate glass or he shoots boobs on a picture uh stuff like that is like makes me like break down a little bit like okay i understand but then like there's stuff wait 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 can i say another one it's like he'll cut to a neon a flashing neon sign but it says e equals mc squared you know or the uh there's like i said there's a lot of poetry being recited he'll just like show the words of the poetry north south yeah yeah but then also like are you saying like the narrative flow is so broken up it happens all the time right it 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 especially by uh uh, the presence of Alpha 60, which is this omnipresent thing as the, the dictator. Uh, and it has this awful, harassing voice. Yeah, the it's way like, its voice sounds is terrible. It's so awful to listen to. It's like if a guy with, with a robot who had cancer and has to use a robot voice lost that but still had a robot voice <laughs> and was loud. And it just breaks up the film so much. And like, I, I, dear listener, I, was, I got lost. I, I found my way back oh, in. Yeah. It is and there's, harsh. The electronic beeps are the, there's these electronic beeps so throughout many. the movie that are so loud, you know? So loud. It's louder than anything in the film, yeah. Uh, and then louder there's blinking anything lights, in the too. Film by a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's a conventional enough plot, but he just mashes it around. <laughs> he mashes it around and, like, in that way kind of makes it, like, m- a better movie because if, if it was... It's almost like how Memento, like yeah. if it was in the right order, it wouldn't be that special mm-hmm. of a movie. But because it's been, like, mashed around in a crazy way, it, it's more interesting to think about, you know? It, mm-hmm. This movie has some of that going for it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it also adds to, like, how I said the, the poetry is always, like, as you break it up, maybe there's, like, a poetry right. into the scenes he's putting around or just that flow. It's more... Uh, more not classical poetry, but scat poetry. But then there's a whole, that whole sci-fi aspect too of it, which is like, again, they didn't use anything to make it sci-fi other than the dialogue. Yeah. Just the dialogue. And like, yeah, like I'm saying like the neon sign has a math equation like that's And there's just weird, there's just weird stuff going on that isn't part of modern society. Like, um, especially they execute I mean, them in swimming pool uh, by shooting them in a swimming pool, and then yes, the way that they down. execute people in this movie is they walk off a diving board and get machine gunned, and then synchronized swimmers dive into the pool with uh, chef's knives and stab them to death if they haven't died already. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then there's another whole sequence where they show the the seat. We're watching the seats of an audit, like a movie theater, like being tilted up hydraulically yeah. and like rotated back. And contr- and they're, the voiceover is saying they used to electrocute people in theaters during performances, which is. Yeah, which I just thought like, oh, that's a real theater that like does that for like uh, space reasons or cleaning right. reasons. And then they just filmed that because like, oh, cool, this is. What a late technology. <laughs> this is like, like Godard is like, oh, I know this theater that does this cool thing. I bet they'll let us film it, you know? And then <laughs> just like, I'll make something up for it. I don't know, you know? Uh, I think it was, I don't know what, was it the 90s as time was set in or the early 2000s? Right, they have no, they never even come close to saying, because they, because <laughs> at a certain point, because they just filmed it in Paris at night, you know? And, yeah. and like I was saying about my movie, they just went to like, the lobbies of banks or something, you know, places that look kind of vaguely futuristic. Um, yeah, but, they found like the more recent modern architecture, a lot of staircases. Right. right. In 1965, <laughs> they would have been like brand new modern architecture. Yeah. Um, and, but then every once in a while, they'll talk about like the galactic, you know, like there's, there's supposed to be like a, a galactic empire or something, you know? You're yeah. Like, oh God. How far you in the future is galaxies, this movie? Yeah. <laughs> They could, uh, yeah. They said he could rule one of the galaxies. He gets offered to rule galaxy. Yeah, so he gets offered to as he's saving the world. Like, no, you could join the bad side. Right. Yeah. yeah of yeah. course. Easy plot to follow once you actually find it. <laughs> um, although one thing you have to say about this movie that is not at all futuristic, that is very 1965 French New Wave, is like the very weird way women are treated in this movie, Caleb. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
this they're very mean objectified in the most literal sense possible and you, it's kind of getting away with it because Lemmy caution thinks this stuff is bad and doesn't want to be involved in it mm-hmm. but it, the, the movie does, does lot, the movie yeah. does do a lot of it like like there's a scene where somebody's walking through the stairwell and there's just a naked woman in a lucite cage in the middle of the stairwell you know or that you walk into a, a room to have a meeting and there's a, a woman standing on the desk and they just pat her on the leg and they go okay and then they that's it <laughs> you know it's not explained any more than that yeah, uh, even like the lead character is uh, the lead female character. Anna Karina is like doesn't realize that she's capable of love and is kind of like dumb and just goes along with things. Like, yeah, it was a hard character to like. Enjoy. Literally, every woman <laughs> is a some kind of sex machine. You know, not a they're yeah. not robots, but they're these kind of they're like I'm a seductress level three. <laughs> <laughs> she does say that. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's that one scene where uh, he's sleeping with a. Uh, a seductress of a certain level and then just dies. Dies, just dies. <laughs> someone just dies after having sex with someone. And for some reason, Lemmy Caution is like hiding in the corner while they're doing that. And then he's like taking pictures of them, but nobody, neither of them seems to yeah, care. That's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. I'm like, why is this going on like this? What is happening French, here? French New Wave. Uh, yeah. So this is French New Wave. They just take big ideas uh, and they get to explain it by putting it in a movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it just uh, happens in the movie. I mean, it, uh, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic and it's, of course, like revolutionary in film and it, yeah. it inspired like like the best of these movies and inspired so many people to make so many other things that were, you know, maybe a little bit closer to the kinds of stuff we understand. But yeah, it's just because it was breaking down the barriers, you know, trying mm-hmm. new things, trying radically new things in, in film. And that's, you know, that's what is famous and about he, the French. New he way, was successful. Right? Like this was not his most successful movie. People uh, are, are into it a lot. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, even just the idea, like, so the character of Lemmy Caution was previously established. It's like in pulp mo- pulp novels and whatnot. Uh, and even the actor, Eddie Constantine, uh, who plays Lemmy Caution, had already played him in other films. Yeah, that's so weird. Uh, that's so weird. So he just took that and like, oh, cool. Like, I'm Jean-Luc Godard. I'm a very important director. Yeah. Please come do this. I'm trying to, here's what I'm doing. Let's uh, take a sledgehammer to all previous ideas of what thought of movies could be. <laughs> Yeah, like I read this, I read this book once that was called like the Diaries of Tintin or something, and it was like all the characters from Tintin, but in this kind of existentialist sexual adventure or something. Whoa. It was like very, very strange. It was, it's kind of like that, or it's like you know Robert Downey Jr. is Sherlock Holmes in space, you know, <laughs> but yeah, like damn. not a dumb version of that. Like 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 if Claire Denis made that movie, you know. Yeah, it was called High Life. <laughs> yeah, right. If Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock Holmes had starred in High Life. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about uh, We could. It is a, a, a fine movie. Uh, I've, I, I haven't seen it before. This is my first first watch of it. Oh, was uh, it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it really like th- threw me for a loop. I, I've been watching a lot of the Godard movies I haven't seen, which is, I think I mentioned I watched uh, A Woman is a Woman. Uh, and then this, and then, whoa. Uh, yeah, so I really, I think this is a good one to start uh, for Godard because I think that's uh, what he's all about is like creating room in uh, film, like conventional plot here, uh, which he breaks down by making it a sci-fi. And then he makes the film about man versus technology and how poetry and love can save us. And like we said, we're using all these uh, harsh voices and blinking lights to like, bit, like have us physically react to it. Like he he's making bold decisions all the time, and if I love a director, I love a director for making bold decisions. So I can't. Uh, it's weird that like I, I'm faulting this film, but also not faulting whatsoever because it's like, hey, he, he had to do it, had to do it to an extent. Um. Yeah. No. I I totally agree. Yeah. It was a really formative film for for me. It was sure. it was one of the ones I watched. You know, when I was in my very early twenties, late teens, and it just it it seemed so sophisticated and cool and sexy. I mean, so much of this movie too is like just looking at a beautiful woman in high contrast, black and white. Like that is like one of the missions that Godard is on in this movie is to just photograph women he thinks are beautiful in the, yeah. And it's like extremely high contrast, black and white. Uh, And the movie is also doing other kind of silly ish visual things like it like things go into um negative mode sometimes when it's like when like something really crazy is happening the movie goes into negative mode um oh yeah there's a yeah, ton of harsh lighting beautiful lighting 
all back to row. It's, 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 it's fucking wild. Shit. Fucking great. I mean, and it's so, it's so low budget in a lot of ways, like the robot that controls the computer that controls the world. Every time we see it, it's a box fan and a light bulb behind mattress springs, <laughs> you know, and you can even like read the text on the light bulb, you know, it's like, but it's like, who fucking cares? You know, what are you, some asshole? Yeah. Like who cares? You know? It's like, we get what we're doing. He's Godard. He's Godard. We get what's happening. Like, shut up, you know? But it is, so there's something charming about it. You know, I, I, yeah. I really I, mean, I, I, I guess as a, a, a former film, former film critic, him doing this is like a challenge to the current film critics. Like, yeah, come at me a little bit. <laughs> come at me, bitch. Like what? I think I can't win an argument about why this is fine. Pretty, yeah. Um, yeah, for real. yeah, I don't know. So like, let's say you had to pick one of these movies, Caleb, where you would be, um, you would die in a very futuristic and sad way. Like, what do you, what uh, did you pick? Cha, 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 cha. So we were just all these great things we're saying about Godard and Alphaville. And I even had like this serendipitous moment this week. Uh, 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 Bob Odenkirk put out a book uh, and he, uh, only for a sentence, he referenced Alphaville. Like, that's strange that Alphaville came up in this, in Bob Odenkirk's autobiography right now. I'm uh, just talking about, like, he wrote something about set in the future and, uh, reference breathless like it's also maybe a little Alphaville because this character is so cool and it's in the future but anyway you can't escape Godard it's that big of a director but I'm not picking his movie I'm picking After Yang a movie I uh, am still swooning over I'm in bathing in its afterglow I love it uh, to say something quick about the tea uh, that I really liked uh, in the movie they talk uh, He's a he sells tea for a living there's a big part where they explicitly talk about how tea is great to enjoy and hard to explain. And I feel like, oh, yeah, that's uh, like movies sometimes. <laughs> that's what, as a, again, a former film critic and Koganada coming like, hey, come at me. I got a little foolproof line. Hey, you can't really explain movies sometimes. They're just good things you get to have and just talk about, which is, yeah, I love talking about movies. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's. I'm still getting thinking about uh, after Yang and just smiling. Cause it's just hit me in such a, like a very nice spot and yeah. Great movie. Uh, picking after Yang. Yeah. Caleb, I gotta agree with you on that one. I mean, obviously Godard's Alphaville is one of the seminal film texts and especially science fiction film texts of, of all time. I mean, you mentioned Blade Runner, like there's definitely no Blade Runner without Alphaville. There's a very similar. There's a very similar sequence where um, Lemmy Caution is getting questioned by Control for his emotional response. That's basically exactly the Voight Kampf test from Blade Runner, and even especially even more from Blade Runner uh, 2049. There's like a real, like it's very very similar to the way it's done in Alphaville. Um, but you know the way I often think about this show is, and then the recommendation at the end of it is, if I was just talking to someone, which movie would I tell them to go watch? And like for sure, if I was just talking to a regular person, like go watch After Yang. It's really fun. I mean, we didn't even mention it's got this really silly title sequence that's very buzzy that people oh, really yeah. that people it get posted on Twitter or whatever, where it's like a, a a video game television show where like every family in the country is like doing the same synchronized dance together, and that's the entire opening credit sequence, and they're all wearing different yeah, colored metallic jumpsuits, like. That's fun as fuck, dude. That's so much fun. It's such a fun sequence. Open um, up your movie with dancing. It's a great lesson to learn for any filmmaker. <laughs> it's great because it just puts you in a really interesting place right away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they're all taking it very, very seriously and then doing a good job a lot of the times in the dance. Oh, for real, you yeah. know? Uh, um, very funny scene. Good technology established. Yeah, just a great way to get into the world. <laughs> and there is a great scene later because it's like when they're dealing with the death of Yang the daughter says like, can we not do family dance anymore? And the mom says, well, yeah, but we might have to compete in the family of threes. And yeah. She's like, I don't want to be a family of three. It's yeah. like, it's so well done. So well done. And so funny and sad at the same time. What a fantastic movie. Everybody should go see after Yang immediately. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry, sorry, Jean-Luc established whole genre of film and way of doing film, but uh, Alphil is simultaneously easy to watch and hard to take in. Very difficult, yeah. And also <laughs> he's fucking dead, it, yeah. so he doesn't give a shit. You know, yeah, that's true. Bye-bye. We got a living director. Support the living. Support the living. You know, honestly, it's a more important message than ever, Caleb. Support the living, you know. Hell yeah. Um, that's it for this week, everybody. 
great to talk to you. Always great to talk. Okay, bye. Bye, everybody. First of all, I, we got home and I changed my shirt and I put on this shirt I have from like I bought on Instagram. And she looked at me and she went, cool outfit. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah. And then later on, she was like, we were, she was playing around. She was spinning around and she like stopped and she looked at us and she went, I'm going to spin around so crazy. Everybody watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very polite of her. I was like, Warning. that fucking rules. That fucking <laughs> rules. <laughs> Uh, uh, where did she learn the phrase cool outfit? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I have no idea.